Hello. Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for week of October 22. Gosh, I'm stumbling. Oc. I said full week of full week of October 22, <laughs> 2012. What kind of accent is that? Right. A week of? A bad one. Can <laughs> we just take two on that? I don't know. What was that? I don't know. Episode like 168. This is going to be trouble for people. We can't even get out of the gate. <laughs> I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. I, for one, am in it. <laughs> but joining me around the table today are... Starting with me, Jackie Rotaco, account manager with Interval. Uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Katie Streeter, intern at Interval. Hello, all. Hey, guys. What's up? I Sup? was totally Sup? confused at which direction we were going there, but... Sorry. That's okay. We just like to mix it up. Mm-hmm. Keeps you guys on on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> to keep everyone on the podcast guessing. Yes. Okay, so um, we have a couple of meaty topics, but we have some updates first. Uh, first of all, I'm going to I'm going to lead off with some we are re-twitterizing ourselves. Yes, re- we are. Is that's it re- the first time that's ever been used? Twitter is it tweetizing? We're tweetizing. <laughs> We're getting some new tweet energies. It's the people who follow us know that um, we've struggled with Twitter recently. I have personally struggled with Twitter. Well, I always have. So my tweets are now probably a, you could measure them on a monthly basis. Somebody tweets something digits? to me, I respond. But I used to be, you know, tweeting a few packs that. a day, <laughs> and I got down to one. And now the patch has got me almost off it, which is not a great thing given that we believe in social media and want to stay in touch with our tribe, mm-hmm. our community, our peeps, our tweeps, our twock, our twock. right? <laughs> yes. So um, we have started a couple things. First of all, we have a new official agency Twitter handle, at Interval Crew, which is manned or womaned by Katie. Personed. Personed yeah. by Katie. I believe that's PC. What? Person. Personed. 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 I have no idea. Yes. Womaned. Womaned. Girl. Well, you can't say man. That's not fair. Yeah. So, so Katie, you're going to be tweeting on a much more frequent basis. I will. Thank you. Uh, which, at the least, will keep people up to date on us. Uh, but it's not just PR fodder. It's good stuff, conversational stuff like we like, mm-hmm. uh, which will also hopefully occasionally you just have to throw my name in there mm-hmm. so that I see the announcement that somebody's tweeted me. And then even mm-hmm. if it's us, I will start a conversation. Yes. Perfect. Cool. And we have a hashtag for this podcast. Yes, hoping to use regularly. It's uh, for the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, so shortened to AHMB, pound AHMB. Um, So I think feel free to use that if you've got ideas for things that you might like to hear us talk about, or if you've got a comment on a show, uh, anything that you want to scream at us, feel free to use that. We'll probably use it in some creative ways as well. We're hoping it's a way to create a, a more um, interactive experience for our listeners because we have, mm-hmm. of course, you can always post things on the um, on our site where we post the podcast each week. But a lot of people download this through iTunes. Don't ever come to the site to right. get it, uh, which is how I get it too. So hopefully, this will give us a way for folks to interact with us better. Yeah, to so scream at us. You know, disagree with us, give us ideas, 
tell us your stories and use the pound now, AHMB. Did we decide whether or not we were going to use the hashtag to uh, have it accompany things that we might talk about on the podcast? We, I think we threw that idea out there. It's something some people could follow if they wanted to see what we might talk about if we do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Give us feedback if you like our <laughs> intros or not. <laughs> the long, yes. rambling, stumbling yeah. intros. Feedback. Feedback is Comments. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, um, mission conference, yeah, yeah. Oh, It's coming. Oh, yeah. I kind of forgot about that. Um, November 8th. Just doing my due diligence as a board member here and getting the word out. Yep. Um, so, November 8th, conference in Minneapolis, all-day conference. We're sponsoring the happy hour, which I don't think we've announced on previous Woo! I won't be podcasts. there. Yay. I know. So if you want to see Chris, don't come. <laughs> if you want to see You're the rest of like, us come. You'll have an overflow crowd now. <laughs> yeah. We get record turnouts because he's not there. Yep. Um, but no, yeah, sign up for the conference. It should be, it's a good speaker lineup and everything. So we'll cool. see you there. Not Chris. Be good. Not me. And then Katie, you attended the, what's the official name of the the conference? Well, the it is Minnesota Interactive Marketing Association, which is referred to as MEMA. And that was last Wednesday. And yeah, it was great. There is um, a bunch of really great speakers. Um, the morning keynote was Jane McGonigal, who was actually a game designer. So that was Woo-hoo. really cool. Um, <laughs> something totally unexpected. Talked about designing interactive experiences and also made it personal too so that's mm-hmm. cool and the afternoon keynote was Guy Kowalski I believe that's how you pronounce it and I think his Twitter handle refers to him as the an Apple evangelist evangelist evangelist, evangelist. there yeah. we go there it is um, <laughs> so those are the keynote speakers and then there's a, a great mix of uh, breakout sessions as well um, one of which you should read the blog post um, about uh, we're oh, going to yeah. put out a blog about the a lot of conversation about mobile at MEMA mm-hmm. and um, Matthew Creamer who is editor at large for AdAge was there talking about the five-year plan for marketing and advertising so that was interesting and um, a lot of that is pulling out into the blog it's a bummer of a last name Creamer why? <laughs> I like cream in your coffee. <laughs> hopefully, there's nobody listening with also creamer. Yeah, hopefully he's not listening. Yeah, really. No. Now he's following us on Twitter. I like creamer's a positive brand. Well, bummer of a last for me. name. <laughs> Some days of you. <laughs> Sorry, that's just what I was wah, wah. Jackie forgot we were on air. That's all right. So yeah, it sounded we got a, we got a much more in depth recap from Katie. Uh, a little bit ago, and it sounded like there's a lot of neat content. So, mm-hmm. yeah. if you are in a community that has a fill in the blank EMA, <laughs> so SEMA, Connecticut Interactive Marketing, or FEMA, the Wima. Florida Interactive, <laughs> WEMA, Wisconsin, or Wyoming, mm-hmm. or Wyoming, good. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows their states? <laughs> This so thing. it's a very vibrant group here locally. We've got, you know, a lot of creative talent in the Twin Cities and so, I'm yeah. I'm yeah. bummed to have missed Guy Kawasaki specifically. I want I want I've followed him for a while, so I would have liked to have heard that. Yeah. He's and probably one of the top twive twive. Twive. <laughs> top five Twitter personalities, don't yeah. you think? As far as his brand has been I think built through social media. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he was known before, but He's, I mean, I don't know what he does. I didn't know he was an Apple event 
jealous. Just, <laughs> um, but and I didn't. That wasn't teasing you, Katie. I could pronounce it. <laughs> uh, but I know who he is just from all the references through. Yeah, and he's through. actually he's a techie guy, but he talked about the art of enchantment, which was very mm-hmm. interesting. So it's cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Okay, so yeah, check out the blog post we have up. Um, the specific to mobile from what you heard there. Okay, so do we want to, let's start with the first one, or the second one. The first one, we're going to, our takeaway question of the week, well, we can always say that. Well, that's another new thing. Have you guys mentioned that before and I missed it? The takeaway question? That we're going to try to proactively have a takeaway question of the week. Oh, yeah. So that people do have something specific to respond to. I think this is our first one that we've actually integrated. So this is related to our first topic, which, Katie, you're going to give us some background on, but I think we can all lend to, uh, around uh, health organizations uh, using applications to encourage healthy behaviors and then how that might talk about how that impacts our specific niche of the healthcare world for hospitals and health systems. Yeah, so, you know, I've noticed a bunch of apps coming out lately um, from health organizations trying to motivate people to um, eat healthy, work out, uh, lose weight, all sorts of things. So um, I just wanted to highlight some of those. The first one that we have is called the Food Smart app. And it says it guides consumers to make healthy, delicious choices. Mm. And it includes about 20,000 different foods. And when you go to a a store, you can scan the barcode and it will come up with um, a nutrition scale. It'll come up with um, what percentage of foods is healthier or what percentage of foods it is healthier than the other foods in the app. Mm -hmm. And um, also gives you similar suggestions. So maybe you can find something a little bit healthier. Um, It kind of uses a Yelp-style rating system for um, if you pick up a new product and you want to know if people like it, um, there's ratings on there. So, yeah, the article mentions it might be a little redundant because you can just look at the back of a food label for nutrition information. But I think it takes it a step further because it, um, you know, it tells you it. Like, for instance, in the article, it says that when this person scanned rice cakes, it said can be consumed in moderation and it'll still be good for you and it'll be okay. Um, And then it'll also give you some other options. Like, for instance, it said for rice cakes, almond milk and tofu, which I don't know if I would consider those substitutes. But total buzzkill. Yeah, it sounds like a total buzzkill. What happens if you scan a Snickers behind the app? Do you know who developed it? Yeah, I just actually was just digging into it. It's W, w Healthy Solutions. It was just on their website. Yeah. But who's that? Um, well, <laughs> here's their mission. Here's their mission statement. Oh. <laughs> w Healthy Solutions' mission is to enable people to live healthier lives and to help prevent and fight chronic illness by empowering them to make smarter nutritional choices anywhere, anytime. Doesn't say a whole lot about who, who they are, what they're or how they make what's, money. what's their motivation what for gathering yeah. this information. Um, well, their, their about page doesn't dig into that so much. Because seriously, they could be, and not there's anything wrong with this, it could be a front company for right. a bunch of product right. manufacturers, right. like General, not, not that it would be General Mills, right. <laughs> General Mills or whoever, because what a great way to capture information and data about consumers. Right. Yeah, that's very about true. what they care about. Who knows? And, oh, what they're scanning and stuff? Well, yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're no. providing a good service. So. Well, with all of these apps, that's the first thing that comes. It's like, who's, who's behind this and what's right. their motivation for Which, it? Which, the next yeah. one I think we can get into. So another one you have yes. is... Uh, so WellPoint, um, who is a health insurance giant, as the article says, um, 
designed an app to motivate um, health and fitness amongst its users. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, it, I thought it was interesting that a health insurance company was putting out something to um, encourage healthy behaviors, but I think you guys had a little more to talk about with that. Um, yeah, I go ahead. I was going to say, I know that <laughs> <Yeah>. my... <laughs> I use health health partners as my health insurance as my insurance provider, and they're more than just health. I mean, they're a, a network as well. So I mean, they're not just they're pure, provider and they're insurer. not just pure right. insurer. They I so I get a I mean I get a slight my family gets a slight discount for tracking some fitness activity within mm-hmm. um, the system. They do have an app that allows you to track it. Uh, I think they have a couple apps actually for different purposes. Well, there are there are a couple reasons why insurance companies are in it. I mean, like Blue Cross Blue Shield in Minnesota. Um, they're a little unique, but I think other major insurance companies have as part of their mission overall population wellness. Uh, it, for Minnesota, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota, they actually, I think, were the only private company to win a lawsuit against the tobacco companies, if you remember back years ago, mm-hmm. when all the states sued. Mm-hmm. They were the only private company that actually won money. They won a ton of money, but the money had to be used to promote health and wellness. So we have things in our state like the Do Campaign that are a direct result of that, trying to get everybody to improve their health. Mm-hmm. But the obvious reason to me is because they gain from it financially, right. especially when they're targeting their own members. If they can keep people healthy, keep them out of the hospital and the doctor, yep. and they get to keep more of their money, right? Um, which isn't a bad thing, but it is part of what's behind it. And we talk about these things all the time. I know there's another one that we can get to in a second, but um, because we're so big on... Uh, content marketing, and we're so big on trying to engage folks, we've developed apps. Like I would consider the Fit for 50 uh, Wellness Playbook an online application that allowed people to, to log in, set their goals, track their goals, and was all integrated with Anova Health Systems um, content mm-hmm. that would help you move it forward, right? right? Uh, and I just had a question the other day from a CEO of a system saying, how hard is it to create these? Uh, I don't, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, it's not that hard. Uh, and we think that there's a lot of value in them. The trick is to the whole point of this conversation, you can't walk five feet without seeing a new right. one. Uh, and it's going to be tough to really develop something, uh, unless it's something proprietary to your community or something that you're offering that's different that folks are going to value above what they can get out there now, because there's got to be thousands of health or wellness oriented apps maybe yeah. th- thousands exaggeration hundreds. a few thousand hundreds easy yeah yeah but they That's work not- and then part of our so our takeaway question of the week <laughs> is do you as an healthcare organization a hospital health system use any apps or i'm sorry no i already blew it <laughs> do you as a listener use any apps to keep you on track with something in your life if so which apps do you use are they effective in motivating changing behavior? The reason why it's good to know that is because that could be a really powerful tool mm-hmm. from a marketing or even clinical patient experience um, perspective for hospitals to use. And that I do have one example. Do you guys use those? I'll let you guys talk if you use any apps like this. You any use the health partners, health, health partners yeah. one. Just for uh, healthcare specifically? Or healthcare, healthcare wellness, wellness, yeah. I used to. You don't know. Uh, what, crap, what is it called? I dropped it when calorie counting and tracking just became too much of a pain. The only one that I tried to use regularly and I just started kind of using it, using it again because I found this guy, my Fitbit. 
Oh. Uh, is the Fitbit app. Um, the nice thing about that is, you know, I not I don't have to necessarily manually do a whole lot. You know, I just I keep this thing in my pocket, and it tells me a lot about myself. So it's the lazy man's answer to staying healthy. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, having having something like this on your person throughout the day, you know, and, and you know that it's there because you check it once in a while to see how many steps you've taken versus how many you should have taken. Um, certainly is a motivating a motivator to get off your butt and move around a little bit sure. throughout the course of the day. And then seeing it plotted on a graph, how inactive I've been mm-hmm. for the last, you know, however long. It's also a motivation to get up and do some stuff. Um, there's a nutrition component to it as well. There's also some other premium features if you pay even more beyond the price of purchasing the product. Um, it tracks some additional stuff. So I use, I guess I could, I'd say I use it. I don't use it regularly. Like I said, I lost it for a while and I just found it again. This one also, I also just bought this new one to replace my old one, and this one like busted like right away. It popped open, and all the innards flew out, and I had to, Cheap, I had to reassemble crap. the damn thing. <laughs> disassemble, no disassemble. No disassemble number five. Um, so yeah, that's what I use. I tried a couple other things. I checked out one called Fitocracy, which is supposed to be like a social fitness app, but I have I, like I have fitness. I have no friends, so more no, on that I had no encouragement. Side. Having a social app when you're using it by yourself isn't exactly. A, doesn't doesn't get you too motivated. Yeah. What about I, you? What about you guys? Well, I just I remember the name. It's called My Fitness Pal. Oh, Lene uses that a lot. My wife. It's, it's a lot of it's calorie tracking, and mm-hmm. you know they have a whole bunch of food in their system, so you can log what you've eaten. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it just I don't know. It got boring. It's a very popular one. Well, and then I wanted brownies, and I didn't want to know how much. <laughs> <laughs> I have a BlackBerry. Moving right along. Holy cow. You just got like Back to the Future 5. (laughs) Marty, Marty, fire up the BlackBerry. November 1st, I get an iPhone. (laughs) But I do have an iPad right now. And um, there is an app. This isn't fitness-wise, but money-spending-wise, which can be considered a healthy behavior, I assume. Um, I recently got Mint. I don't know if you guys have ever talked about that. And to be for me, I it has not been proven successful because I don't want to look at it. And I don't want men yelling at me. It's depressing. But, yeah, but I know that my boyfriend and his friend use it, and they talk about mint as if it's a person. And like, oh gosh, <laughs> mint's yelling at me. I need to stop spending money. And so for them, I think it's been really effective. They know exactly how much they're spending now and how much they're going over. So Siri, tell mint to shut up. <laughs> So you have like a cage match exactly. between Siri and Mint. I want to love Mint, but I was—I probably have about a dozen different bank accounts that are tracked okay. with Mint, and um, like half of them have stopped. It has stopped syncing with those banks oh, really? for whatever reason. A couple banks decided to pull out. I mean, once you can't track everything through Mint, it starts to become it starts to really right. lose its luster because the whole point is that it's, it's the one place where you can centralize everything. And as soon as there's like even one thing you can't track in there financially. It's like, well, now it's, I, can, I don't have a big picture anymore. I still have to go here to check this out and there. So for me, I've kind of fallen out of love with it just because it's starting to which is a Which is a fair warning, you know, kind of to folks that are trying to do this on their own is you've got to keep it up. You've got to keep yeah. it gotta um, support working it. for folk. You've got to support mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, used, I used to use Lose It, which is, I think, very similar to what you called My Fitness Pal. Yep. Um, it, I think it's primarily given the name for losing weight, but I use it because I have type two diabetes, so I have to track. And I was getting a lot of whack, so I used it religiously for about six months, and it was it was worked. It motivated me, um, but also 
because I could set like my goals for each day or my or weekly. Right. I could see like when I was ahead of my goal, so then I could have a brownie and I didn't feel bad about it. Right. Whereas if you don't have that, where I'm at now, it's like, oh, you know, I'm probably screwed anyway. So I'm gonna have the brownie. You know, and the thing is for me, you forget. Mm -hmm. You forget that you had a brownie four hours ago and then last night. But when you're tracking this stuff, you see it and it does change your behavior. It did Mm -hmm. for me. So, um, but it's tough. I mean, it's kind of like you've got to have the energy and the the discipline to continue to do it. Yeah. Because once you fall off, boy, it's hard to get. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to get yourself, you need to develop that habit of doing it so that it becomes routine and natural, which is probably the hardest thing. At least for me. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. So remember our takeaway question of the week. Uh, let us know if you use anything like this or if you work for an organization that's yeah. developed something like this mm-hmm. that you're using as part of your um, branding or marketing. Because I do think that there is opportunity still in that, even though this is um, the market is saturated, I think, with these kind of things. If you can develop something that is unique to your brand and folks would value it differently than others, then. I'd say it could be very valuable. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of brand, that's a nice segue into the next mm-hmm. article. Nice segue into seven basic types of brands. Uh, this is just, a, I have a hard time with this story. It's very intriguing. It's from Adweek, and it's titled Seven Basic Types of Stories. Which one is your brand telling? And it starts off by saying, you think you're being all clever and original with your brand storytelling. In fact, you're not. Wow, it's like a slap in the face. <laughs> From Shakespeare you to suck. Spielberg to Soderbergh, there are really only seven different types of stories. An Advertising Week panel hosted by TBWA suggested on Wednesday. The challenge becomes finding which one best suits your brand and then telling it skillfully, believably, and extremely carefully. So it's based on a book by a guy named Christopher Booker who has... Um, what a bummer called, of a last name. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah, um, kind of like it's called Seven Basic Plots. And the point is that there are seven archetypal themes recur in every kind of storytelling. So whenever I hear things like this, I'm always a skeptic. I'm like, seriously, every story fits one of seven types. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I would say these are smarter folks than me in this regard, and so I guess I'll go with it. Um, I mean, I'd be curious to throw some things out there. Uh, they list the seven, which I can quickly go through. Uh, but I want to get folks' input on what they think about this idea, the impact it has on what we do every day, that type of thing. So the seven real quick are overcoming the monster, for which they give the example of like Apple and its attack on Big Brother or mm-hmm. um, American Express's creation of Small Business Saturday. It's like overcoming the monster of Black Friday. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> rebirth is one. Uh, quest. So you're on a quest. What is your quest? Uh, journey and return is number four. So Corona, this is interesting. I, I'll have to give this aside. They give Corona as an example because it encourages a trip, urging you to find your beach. And then I'm like, why isn't that a quest? But anyway, five <laughs> rags to riches. So Chrysler's given an example of their story now about how they're, mm. you know, the rebirth tragedy basically says um, this is not one you want to use to build your brand because you don't want to be seen as tragic. Um, but it could work for PSA, kind of cause-related. And then comedy. So they give Old Spice and Geico. So does anybody have 
thoughts on this before I spew? Well, I have a rant too. One thing, one thing that I do, I, there are things I like and don't like about the article. One thing that I do like, well, A, first I have to gag at some of the terminology that's thrown on you. I gag at storytelling and I mean, it's, it's, it's really <laughs> storytelling. Well, you hear storytelling and the relationships over and over here and it's, it's know, just, they've right. become marketing buzzwords that have lost mm-hmm. a lot of meaning because they're, they're vague concepts that don't have much meat behind them. They're just people like to throw the words around and say that we're, you know, we're telling our story, we're building relationships and then right. they're doing, they have a Twitter account. So, <laughs> good job. Um, so, so I, so that, you know, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes at, at some of that terminology, but at the same time, I do like the overall concept of helping people, you know, people who maybe have struggled to figure out and hopefully you're not necessarily struggling to tell your story. Your story should hopefully be fairly clear. Yeah, um, dude. But if you're trying to figure out some, you know, interesting creative way in which to present it, I mean, I guess this provides, and it's somewhat of a framework work or some interesting ways for you to look at it and try to, you know, put it into one of these seven categories. Um, I guess, I mean, it's more of a creative exercise in that case than really, uh, you know, but I think that's yes. kind of what they were getting at too with it. I mean, it's, it's agency approach at, at right. helping you figure out your story. Right. Um, so before I rip on the next thing, I'll, I'll stop there and go into Well, you, you just hit on something that I think is important to distinguish. You know, they talk about like Old Spice's story is, comedy initially it said the trick the challenge is finding which one best suits your brand which i'm aligned with because um your brand is not your communication it's what you deliver so when they say old spice's story is that it's comedy that's their advertising right not necessarily i mean and and the difference to me then is products oftentimes can create brand based on um changing the story. I think in our world, in service industry, and especially healthcare, your brand is what you deliver. Mm-hmm. And that is the story. And you can tell whatever damn story you want. Right. But if it doesn't align with the experience you deliver, then it ain't going to work. Right. And right. every set of ears that takes in your story is going to interpret it differently. And based on the experiences they've had with your brand or whether they've had any at all, they could have been great. They could have been horrible. Um, they could not exist. So that's the thing. I mean, you, 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 can, you can create a framework for your story, structure your story within that framework and deliver it, but every single person, like every person who receives that story is going gonna, gonna to be a, it's, it's a different story for every person, basically, because your brand is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, one, there was an uh, interesting section that talked about hijack, the hijacking of brands. Um, well, here's, here's the quote from it. By the customer? Uh, No, this is a quote from them. A new wrinkle in the digital age is the hijacking of brand stories. The hilarious thing to me is when a story is now taken over by the people. Heppenstahl Heppenstahl said, it used to be a one-way thing where the company would say, we're this, and invite no feedback. Now in the age of social media, that's impossible. She pointed to Shell's recent crowdsourced <clears throat> posters and Walmart slash Pitbull incident as evidence of disaster that can happen when brands lose control of their stories. See, what's, what's actually kind of interesting there is that, they, that you assume you have control over your story yes. to begin with. Yes. You, you're never, you, you don't, you don't. So you can't really right. lose control over something that you don't have control over. What's interesting <laughs> is when you do these crowdsourced things is that now you're actually hearing people's interpretations of your story and it's coming through in, in their own creative way, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. The stuff that usually stands out is the bad stuff when it comes to these crowdsourced 
things that we've been seeing, uh, initiatives that we've been seeing lately. So <clears throat> that I thought was that that part jumped out to me the most. Yeah, of the whole article. That's to me too. And now Katie's about ready to jump in. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this is reminding me of something I'm doing um, in school right now. We, uh, from one of my classes, are doing um, case studies of a, um, any any case we want. And what I chose was the Susan G. Coleman case with the mm-hmm. recent Planned Parenthood controversy. Mm-hmm. And my thoughts on this is that pre-social media, I think that. Yes, people didn't have control of their story then either because it was still the experience of and consumers deciding mm-hmm. what they felt. But I feel like now with social media, it's now that there's so many like opinion leaders on social media that it influences like the normal person mm-hmm. and the normal listener so much more that there's less control of the story, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just think of Susan D. Coleman and how completely their just their story just changed within twenty four oh, hours. I don't donate to them anymore. Exactly. When, when people post things on donate to my, I'm going to do the race for the cure or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, wasn't really thrilled with what they did before. And <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you fifty bucks. You want to give it to Susan G. Coleman? You go right ahead. Right. How about that? Right. I think that's that's a good insight, Katie. And I'm I'm with you too, Adam. I. You know, again, it's like giving social media this power of, oh, the world is completely turned upside down now, you know, in, in three years. And, you know, I still always quote the brand gap by Marty Newmeyer, where he's like, you don't own your brand, they own your brand. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was written well before social media. Right. You know, and so this idea that, um, hey, the story's now taken over by the people. The, the story was always owned by the people. Right. Social media changes how that story can be told by the people because of influencers like Katie's talking about or the ability for folks to talk to each other in mass that they might not have had before right. but they still own the story you know and it's still all about not what you say but what you do right you know and as long as you're focused on what you do then then and you're doing it in the way that you you want i mean you can still say we want to be known as x and valued as x but you just can't say it. You have to be show up. You that have way. to be it. Yeah. And I don't think you could ever just say it. No. Maybe you could. Maybe there was an illusion that when you had three TV channels and print, and that was all you had. Oh, and there was no competition in certain industries. Maybe then. Yes, but even then, if you said, you know, Chrysler was a high quality car, and people drove it and it broke down. That people don't go. It's a high quality car. No, they know. <laughs> right. Right. As much as American car makers went out there and said, We're awesome, people are like, No, you're crap. Like my dad, never buy an American car. You know, he's a total American guy, but he was burned too many times. Yeah. That's the real brand, not what you say. And social media hasn't changed that. It's just it's changed the dynamic of it, but not the basic principle. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. And so that's a little bit where I get stuck with this, is that they seem to think that your brand is built based on the story you tell. Right. Yeah. Uh, I do think that these archetypes can help. I mean, if so, I try to th- put this to real life, right? What do you think our agency's um, story is? Are you look these at these seven? seven. I wonder if we'd all come up with the same one. Comedy. Right? <laughs> do you think it's comedy? Uh, oh, I know. Honestly. I have to review them again quickly. Yeah, Let me see. I need tragedy. Uh, tra- tragedy. <laughs> I would say. I think it's clear what it is now. Me- I think it's been there for a while, but I would say in the last two years, it has been explicitly stated. Uh, well, I, I, and I delivered. I would, I would first say, oh, and delivered. I okay. would probably say Quest. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. What would no. you say? Me three. Rebirth, would you say? What, I would say overcoming the monster. Really? Well, let me, let the me monster the is traditional, yeah. ineffective, horse bleep healthcare marketing. 
And it, we are like David fighting Goliath, going out there trying yeah. to give his people not to spend. I see that. I mean, I go out there now and I talk about Jared that when I speak and say, stop spending your money, that's my Jerry Maguire memo. See, I, I look at that as, as more of a quest, though. That was that, that, that's the well, problem that's, with yeah, the, that's that's the confusion, maybe. That's yeah, the, the well, I don't even think confusing. it's. Yeah, I don't even know if it's confusion. I think it's more that yeah. each of these archetypes really have a lot of overlap. I mean, yeah. they're, that's they're, what they're, totally. they're just not yes. clear. I mean, totally. they, 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 the examples are good, but they're in, in, in uh, you know, it's an interesting framework, but there's so much overlap between each one that it's hard to not really be, it's hard for your story to really perfectly fall into one of those areas. Well, I think we're overcoming the monster on a quest with a little comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not there just we comedy. I mean, there are certainly agencies that are comedy based, meaning. No, I comedy don't. and kind of like a creative frivolous because right. it's all about creativity. I think yeah. that's legitimate for some agencies, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's us. I mean, no, I was just trying to mold them all no, together. No, 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 I know. <laughs> I'm not trying in a to comical be way about it. We're not comedy. <laughs> we're not funny. Damn it! While we're on this article, did you guys watch the tragedy video? No, no, you should I have, watch it. I have all of them. Does it make you cry? It's really intense. It's unexpected. So I will watch you it. Now. Watch it. The well, page is full of flash people? videos, which are all blocked in my browser. So um, I'll, to, I'll go through. I'll, I'll unblock that one and watch it. It's interesting, nonetheless, though this article. So yes. So here's what they they finish with. They call the genius of the Vegas campaign because they believe that really captures the customer story. What what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a it's a capture. It's in in a very however many words that is seven words captures the promise of Vegas, whether you're talking about gambling or whatever it is you want to talk about, mm-hmm. right? Whereas 95% of the people never really experience that. Right. They like the idea that the they're, idea. they're in this town where that's whatever's happening is happening. And I'm here. What story is that? It's kind of like living on the, it's kind of like the rebel story, but I don't see the rebel story yeah. in here. I guess it depends if it's uh Overcoming the monster of everyday life. Maybe. Maybe it's... <laughs> maybe, yeah. Well, is, it, is it the journey in return, too? Because you... Oh, maybe. You are somebody, and your goal is to take this trip and be somebody else. While you're you there, but you're supposed to return a different person because well, of this. you're going to it if you have here. syphilis or something as a result of your actions. <laughs> but for, for Corona, it says urging you to find your beach and return refreshed. Right, you're so supposed to return like... a different way. I think oh. the whole point of the Vegas thing is, no, it stays there. You come back to your to Katie's point, your mundane. This is your escape. So escapism oh. or rebe- rebel, those are archetypes I've heard before. I don't see in represented here, or I don't understand how mm-hmm. they're represented here. We need an eighth one, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is mm-hmm. in here. So that's I struggle with trying to fit every story into these yeah. seven. But again, maybe if you thought through it enough, you could make it work. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I try to think about how you would use this for hospitals. Mm-hmm. I could see some of the clients we work with that are smaller using overcoming the monster. Mm-hmm. So they're a community hospital or they're overshadowed by some gigantic system. And their whole message is about, because the, the classic way to put it is you root for the little guy, you root for the underdog. That's what mm-hmm. one is, the underdog. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Or maybe it's rebirth. Yeah, there's a few one in here that might apply. One of them does the underdog, actually. I don't remember which one. It's got to be overcoming the monster. Overcoming the classic the mo- underdog it's the classic story. Under- yep. Yep. Rags to riches. But see, I don't. <laughs> I don't see Apple as the underdog. Well, they not were anymore. in '84. But even were. then, they were the rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Is the rebel always the underdog by definition? Maybe. 
They're usually outnumbered. They're usually the not the ones in power. Kind of fighting to right. Destroy. Like Luke Skywalker is the rebel. Right. So they are the underdog almost every time, right? Though James Dean was not an underdog. Only maybe by classic, um, this is really bad literature, James <laughs> Dean and Rebel Without a Cause. He was rebelling against 1950s society. So he was an underdog in the fact that he was going to get snuffed out by the man. Literature? Rebel Without a Cause. That was a book? I don't know. <laughs> that a movie? I think about it as literature. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, that's interesting to, to think about. I wonder what other people, if they use these archetypes because we do a lot of brand work and I hear this stuff come up where folks are like, well, what's our archetype or what's our story or yeah. And I think it's good. You know, you can take a hospital's actual brand experience and maybe shape it appropriately using an archetype like this. Like you're the rebel or you're the underdog or rebirth though. To me, rebirth has got a limited shelf life. You know, it'd be interesting to see somebody Takes, to see somebody take the approach, maybe I shouldn't say this because it could be interesting to do with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. Rather than this focus of telling your story, especially in healthcare where there are so many amazing stories that other people have to tell about their interaction with you, their, their story of your brand, to ask other people to tell you, to tell you your story. You know, your hospitals are always asking for patients to give their testimonial to then use you know, for marketing purposes. Um, and obviously this would you know, probably have some marketing benefit as well, but... You know, so less about tell us your story and more about you tell us our story mm-hmm. because our story is defined by how you right. used us. Mm-hmm. So don't tell us your story. Tell us, tell us, our, tell us our story. We're not going to tell you our story. You tell us our story. That's story deep. <laughs> Splash my eyeballs. Yeah. Dull eraser. Podcast With title is story. Story, yes. story, story, story. Stories, story. how many stories? Story, okay. story, story. Well, that <laughs> was interesting. Very interesting. Okay, that it? That's all we got? Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. Well, for um, pound AHMB, yo. At Interval Crew. Yep. At intervalcrew.com slash backslash blog. Backslash hashtag. Follow us at Interval Crew on Twitter. Use pound AHMB or at Interval Chris. Or we'll have to really enunciate that. That's your Twitter handle? Yes, I am at, at, we'll really have to enunciate this. No, I am at AP Meyer. I'm at Interval Jackie, but don't bother. Katie, <laughs> Katie you have your own I'm, personal Twitter, right? Yeah, I do. At Katie Streeter. But don't follow that. Follow the at Interval Crew. Yeah, you can follow at Katie. That's Interval better. Crew. You can follow Katie, too. You can, but. That's okay. Do you retweet yourself? That's like a mind no, blower. I don't. No. I retweeted Interval Crew. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's okay. We'll forgive you. It gets our (laughs) metrics up. Good for us. (laughs) All right. We will talk to you next time. 